So I don't know the proper way to kick off a podcast. Actually, I do. I do, Paige, I have the proper way. I have here a beer, and this is my mic. I don't know how good that sounded on your end, but we've officially started No Punts Allowed. Cheers. No Punts Allowed. Cheers. No Punts we're Allowed. We'll talk, we'll talk about the name, uh, what we're doing, but first, Adam Kramer, Paige Kuhn. I've been working on the last name just you know, 24 <laughs> hours, no big deal. Uh, good to see you. Good to talk. We've talked Gchat, like our primary communication format, I'd say, over the last, yes. what, five years is Gchat. But yeah. now that we are here, we have a podcast. Emotions. What, what are they right now? I feel like this was just like destined to happen. I know anyone who is listening to this that knows both of us um, knows that we have obviously been working together at Bleacher Report for the last couple of years as editor and writer. But I think just the I when I first started Bleacher Report, I was a huge fan of what you wrote. And then it turned into me working with you and being able to do all that. And I feel like we have just grown into this like buddy football thing where like wherever yes. whatever we're doing on a Saturday I mean we're always in communication for work reasons but it just has turned into the most beautiful thing and why not turn it into a podcast yes. yeah you are, people can you, listen in you are my, my boss pretty much I'm drinking on the job um <laughs> but yeah so we do we both work at Bleach Report we, we we write content we'll talk about that content too uh, yes. locks of the week uh and I guess we should you know I've wanted to do a podcast many moons ago. We did a a gambling podcast, the on the line podcast, which people still kind of like. And in part of that, it was a beer of the week, which we'll probably get into and and just picking games. But really more so um, it's there. This is the greatest sport on earth. And we both love it for its weirdness and its quirks and its imperfect nature. At least that's why I love college football and also gambling. I love that, too. (laughs) And this is a space where we can have it be and morph into whatever the hell we want it to morph into. And that's kind of the plan. So it's, uh, it's been a long time coming, even though this yeah. has come together quite honestly in like five days. Yes. You're honest to God. This has literally been like a fire drill of a podcast and getting it together. People were like, cause my, obviously I was on a podcast prior to this and it ended and people were like, what are you doing? And I was like, well, I'm doing a podcast. I'm Kramer. And I learned that yesterday and I'm telling you all today and this is happening. Um, it's happened very fast. Like you said, if you're looking for a very, very serious podcast no this is the wrong one (laughs) because honestly the beauty of college football like yes I know there are people that take it very seriously because college football obviously we love it and it's a a very serious matter but there is so much comedy that is a part of this sport and I think that's just what makes it great um, so yeah, if you're looking for a serious podcast, this probably isn't the one, but I mean, no. I, I, that's all right with me. I do think it'll be, we'll, we'll have some analysis, but yes, thematically, I mean, my, my Twitter handle is kegs and eggs. Like what's drawn <laughs> me into this stupid sport is all like, is this and the weird, it just, it is fun. It is meant to be fun. It is meant to be lighthearted and we will keep it along those lines and again i'm sure some stuff like we want to dive into games too we want to talk meaningful matchups and there's some amazing ones it's week one of college football somehow but yeah we will keep this light it's meant to be the tailgate uh pull up a drink pull up a chair and enjoy listening at least hopefully and we'll see what it what ultimately it becomes yeah no and you've gotten to already experience the sort of tailgating end of things this year already attending the nebraska game um, can you just give me a rundown of what it's like to hang out and be around Nebraska fans um, oh in this day and age? So, yes, I was at Illinois. I'm about two and a half hours north of Champaign. My neighbor, 
Jason, shout out Jason, is a huge Nebraska fan. So I, I traveled down with him and was his brother and his dad. And they are, are big Nebraska people. And they are... They are loyal, but they are they were going into this game very anxious, right? This was not a sign of hope. It, this was a sign of desperation. And what a shit show, okay, on a variety <laughs> of fronts. But from a football standpoint, that was so bad. The catching the pawn at the one-yard line and heaving it out of the end zone, I don't know if I've ever seen that. Have you ever seen that? Like I, no. I've seen bad, bad – I've seen bad punts being caught – no punts allowed, by the way, but I've seen bad yeah, punts, no punts being allowed. caught. Uh, that was one of the worst. You had the fumble at the end of the first half. You had uh, the penalty, the roughing, and the taunting on the interception, which was like a 60-yard swing. So, And then you have Scott Frost after the game or earlier you know, in the week saying basically uh, Illinois came out in a new formation, and at that point we didn't really – I'm paraphrasing here because it wouldn't be that bad. <laughs> but we didn't really know what we were doing. Holy <laughs> shit. A coach actually said that out loud. Like that's happened before, but you don't say it. You just like, don't. I don't. You just don't say that. So can I say though? So it was very depressing. By the third or fourth quarter, these guys have talked themselves into Tom Herman being the next coach, and wow. like, how are we going to pay this buyout? Like, it, you know, they're they're GoFundMing uh, the buyout. It was getting bad. They want to help the NCAA out with infractions. So uh, and then the walk home. I don't think you and I talked about this. We had to walk by the fraternities, right? And it was like a legitimate walk of shame. Like <laughs> my buddy, they flipped their Nebraska stuff inside out. Like it was, it was depressing as all, all get out. And we're just being yelled. I haven't been heckled in years. We were, we were heard some hellacious things as we were walking out from college kids. I felt uh, very insignificant in that moment, but I had a great time, by the yeah. way. Great time. I imagine it was fun. The heckling part, probably not so fun. I don't know that there should be much concern about the buyout, though, because two of their donors bought tickets to yes. make sure their sellout record stayed. That was a new thing this week was like it wasn't going to sell out. And so they to keep their record alive, they bought out all of these tickets. So I'm not sure that money's the problem there. But no. it's also just like I think, too, I watched there was a game day sort of preview on Scott Frost, and it was sort of about like, is he or is he not on the hot seat this year? And it was basically like, no, but again, like, do you really ever say that they are? You know what I mean? He's not coaching for his job is what he said, which I think is fair because you have to manage expectations. But I think the expectations were so high with him coming in and people should have been a little bit more reali realistic about the landscape of college football going from yes. a school that wasn't necessarily hurting and it's not hard to recruit there and not to say that like Nebraska hasn't been a powerhouse at one point but it's not the same as recruiting no. kids it to Florida you know what I mean there's different there's a lot of other factors that factor into this uh, besides the atrocious coaching job so far but I do think this year he did say he was like okay I'm actually going this is like these are my guys this because I think a lot of college coaches like use that excuse of like oh let me get my guys in here everybody's yes. buying in it wasn't a good first setup for the, the, the guy, his guys buying in. No, it, like, is he on the hot seat? You'd have to say yes, because this is incredibly broken. Like, yeah. when you go through what was unacceptable with Bo Pelini, and I get a lot of that was just facial expressions and donors were tired <laughs> of looking at him. But he won at a, a, a respectable clip, like, compared to this. So he's owed a lot of money. 
And I, I will say though, you go back, this is his fourth year, which is kind of crazy. Like this was an unbelievable football marriage, right? This was, yeah. this was, this couldn't fail in my eyes at the time. I'm willing to go back and say, I thought this was going to be perfect. Not that Nebraska was going to pe- compete for national championship, but you wouldn't lose to friggin' Illinois. You don't yeah. lose to shit big 10 teams like that. You, and, and Illinois is not that good, right? Like I love seeing football games in person again because you're like, oh yeah, like they did not run the ball particularly great. They're, they had their backup quarterback. Like this is when you evaluate this loss and like whatever the Scott Frost era looks like, this was bad. Not to mention too, Paige, like you have Fordham, you have Buffalo, and then you have a god awful matchup against Oklahoma. You had a chance to be three and zero and have some good vibes and fan equity going into an Oklahoma game that's not going to go so well. And you lost that, like, in an instance. And I don't know how exactly on this schedule, unless you somehow beat an Oklahoma, which in the moment feels, frankly, not possible. I don't know how you gain that back. Do you think he survives the year as head coach? I I think he survives the year. I think if they have the kind of year, like, if they win four games or five games. And, I, I, you know, we don't want to jump... Like I well we do jump the gun that's what we always do but but based <laughs> off what I saw we always jump no, the gun <laughs> it, like Adrian Martinez still overthrows receivers right he missed a couple of bunnies like he does he's still really explosive too I thought the defensive line played pretty well like they could end up being okay that was a disastrous start I think he survives the year but I think it's going to be a really difficult financial conversation yeah. moving forward if they are as bad as advertised in week one or week yeah. zero. Uh, Even worse, by the way, you have the spotlight to yourself. If that was a week one loss, I was thinking about this like, okay, Georgia Clemson is on later. Like it's a terrible loss, but it's kind of blended in the backdrop. This is like the biggest headline of the entire weekend. There wasn't that much going on. Exactly. Oh, gosh, it was painful. And like you said, it was a perfect marriage. Like it was like the prodigal son returns and this is going to be great. And like he's been undefeated, like all the things were there for it to be perfect. And it just has not been the fairy tale that they expected. Um, Speaking of fairy tales, uh, Bishop Sycamore um, is the name of a fake or semi real high school football team. We really don't know because I think a lot of people have tried to do some digging and people are like digging their heels in on some of the facts about this program. So this program ended up being on ESPN, losing pretty badly and to IMG, which I mean, as we know, is like just a factory for for high school football to college to pro players. Yes. Um, How does this happen? Like, how do we go from like, I think this is. Partially, I think this is the fault of what's going on in college football these days. Like, we have name, image, and likeness. We have, you know, um, media companies taking over bowls and making it, like, an entire event. Um, I think people are starting to realize that this is more of, like, an entertainment thing or, like, a money-making machine. So they were like, let's see if we can get some of the the publicity from being on ESPN. And maybe not thinking it all the way through that people were going to dig in on who they were. But... I don't think we've ever seen anything like this where there was literally like they're not really a school. There's like two people that are in charge. And apparently these are like washed up Juco players like they're like grown men playing high school football, which is scary that that even was allowed. But on an IMG, like from an IMG perspective, like how do you even schedule this sort of game? What goes into that? Do you even know? Like, I have no idea how this even happened. So there's a couple of failures, dramatic failures. The ESPN failure, they outsource this stuff. So, you know, ultimately ESPN programmed it. So it's mm-hmm. ESPN's failure. But like, 
you're not assuming, and this is not to say ESPN's like clear of fault, but when has this ever happened? Exactly. Like the when thought you, of it, like a fake high school playing, is hilarious. Who so comes up I'm with not. This? How the hell does this happen with IMG though? Like that's the one that's I kind of. I, I know scheduling for them is tough, so they're not the normal schedule or like we're going to play schools in our district. Like you mentioned, they're a unique. They have a unique high school arrangement in themselves. Yeah. Uh, I've been covered them a handful of times. How did they schedule this? Like, and they are they take pride in having a beefy, nationally recognized, playing the best teams in the country schedule. So, mm-hmm. of of all the failures in this, that's the one that's the most puzzling. Is it tells me also IMG must be really desperate for games. Like, yeah, if they're going down to. Bishop Sycamore, uh, which isn't real. Who the hell else did they try? Like this is, this is col- like this is high school catfish is what we've it got is. a situation here. So that's the part I can't get over. And then yeah, there is an element of sadness to this. By the way, the kids playing two games in three days, like that shit is terrible. And like just. It, they've been reported on some of the conditions that the kids have been dealing with, and mm-hmm. a coach with a warrant for this is a movie. Like, this yeah. isn't real. This is so surreal that it actually is, it, like, defies logic entirely. And never in your life would you think you would see a fake high school team. Uh, you know who else I feel really bad for is the group working this game, where you're yeah. watching this happening from the announcers to everybody else, where you're just, like, sitting there like, what are we doing here? And yeah. uh, it's an impossible spot to be in. Well, and like, you know, we know this in the business, like if you're assigned something, you do it like you do it to the best of your ability. You do the research as much as you can. And it's not something that you like would fat like I would never if someone was like, hey, Paige, you guys are covering this for BR. Like this is the situation. Here's the information. I would obviously do your research. But at some point, there's like a a little bit of faith in the fact that this stuff is real. Um, And so it is very baffling that that happened. And I do feel really bad for everyone involved besides the people that tried to like pull this off. I think it's also just like unsafe for a lot of reasons. Um, We talk about football all the time. And I I know that like, there's a, like you sign up for this stuff, but not some of the stuff that's been going on with this program. Um, It was reported that the head coach was fired, but I don't really know who fired him. Um, it's a very strange, and I do think we're going to get some form of like Netflix, if they are not all over this and being like, how did this happen? How did this go down? Sitting down with people and figuring this out. Like I would sit and watch that because I am just so enamored by the fact that like this actually happened. Like it really, they really tricked so many people. It got through so many things to, to be on television. Well, and the reporting has started. I saw awful announcing has done reporting, but when you sick now, I'm sure ESPN, well, maybe not ESPN, because they're probably like, let's not report this. Uh, let's let this one go. <laughs> but what you've Which probably got, yeah, I, I would be the same way. <laughs> yeah. Like, let's just uh, leave this one alone. Yeah. But you probably have world-class reporters now, because this you is do. actually, you've got governors tweeting about this. You've got, this is like national news that is actually beyond the football and sporting world. And once you dig in, the details are probably going to get weirder and worse and it's on now. Now people yeah. have a chance to like get after this story and they're going to find it. Yeah. I mean, if this was solely about like fame and making money, everybody involved with Bishop Sycamore is going to make money on this because yes. like I said, like Netflix is probably calling HBO is probably calling because they want the first hand account of how they 
one, someone's going to be like, haha, I pulled it off. The other people yes. are going to be like, I can't believe I was duped. There's so many parts to this that are I going know. to be Hollywood worthy. And I know eventually we will get that. Um, but transitioning more into to college football, I oh, can't Speaking believe. of Hollywood. Speaking, yeah, speaking of, of Hollywood. Hollywood Zeb Nolan is the starting quarterback for South Carolina and was a grad assistant as of a couple weeks ago. Um, this is a story that we should have wrote, okay? I'm just going <laughs> to say it, right? Like, this is back in the heyday of feature writing. This was it. This was like the pitch where we'd be like, oh, my God. Is that, well, A, is that really happening that a grad is, like, a coach to starting quarterback? Like, well, it, yeah. It, I mean, yes, that sounds very, like, the headline very much sounds spicy. The thing we do have to note is that he did play college football, like, just a couple months ago, so he's not like this rusty old dude who's coming out of don't, nowhere. Don't kill the headline. But, now, now it's, <laughs> but, but it is weird that he was like, he thought he was done, and then now they're like, oh, by the way, because they're they're starting, projected starting quarterback is hurt and supposed to be ready for week two, but this is still going to be, I mean, people were talking about this immediately. It happened pretty early West Coast time, and I woke up to the news of it, and I was like, first of all, is his name real? Zeb Nolan? Okay, Zeb? That, that's Zeb. That's I don't know many Zebs. I don't yeah. either. But I mean, I mean, if you're Shane Beamer, I listened to his press conference about it, and he's like, "We're not asking him to win the game." I'm like, "Okay, well, that seems like maybe something." <laughs> Put me in. Yeah, okay. I'm like, I, interesting. Can I? Well, I am really happy for Zeb. Okay, if that's his real name, I'm yes. very happy for him because it's a really <laughs> tremendous story to get from that to go back. I am also, if I'm a Virginia Tech fan, I am curled up in the fetal position. Good God, what are we? What is this year going to look like? Most likely, yes. If it reaches South Carolina, the, but yes, yeah. If you get this, if this is on your bingo card, grad assistant to starting quarterback, and I know Coach you got injuries, you're usually in deep shit. Yeah. Okay, like Fake. that is that is not a formula for success, other than. Uh, probably a lot of clicks and content, and maybe a good movie out of it one day. Yeah, um, if your fall football bingo card had fake high school playing on ESPN and a grad assistant starting at quarterback for a Power Five team, um, you're you're winning. You're you're very very close to winning. Um, it just seems like an odd thing. To, I don't think it's a great start necessarily for like a first year head coach to be in the position of like, hey, the first game that we're playing. I had to start a grad assistant, and I do. I I hope for our sake and for the content sake that he actually plays pretty well. Like yeah, I, I looked up some of his stats and stuff from the schools he played at prior, and it didn't look fantastic. But I'm hoping for the best. It's uh, it's a tough job that Beaver. I mean, it's a really tough job when you look at just all the the, the programs and resources around you. We've seen them have some limited. Like I call them blips of success, right? Because the problem there, though, is 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 it sustainable? You really need to lock in because if you're going to compete with programs that have so many other resources, and when you have no, normally you won't have something like this in year two or year three, you will not have to deal with something like this. But this does highlight just again the obstacles ahead for this program. I thought the hire was good. Um, they were yeah. kind of boxed into the corner. They didn't have a lot of really great options at the time. This seemed like the best of a lot of not great options. But this is suboptimal, uh, other than, <laughs> again, maybe a Netflix movie one day about Zeb 
And, you know, I hope he plays. That said, if he plays well, can I write about this on Saturday? Like, that's that, I'm, <laughs> I'm hoping if he plays well, like this would be a, an amazing story to write. And I will gladly eat my own words on this because it would be really cool to see him actually ball out and do do really, really well this year. So we're going to we're obviously doing we should have mentioned this at the top of the show, but this is the nature of starting things so quickly. We are doing this once a week and it is going to come out on Thursdays. By next oh, Thursday, yeah, Adam will have a written piece published on Bleacher Report probably about this if they win um, yes. and he does well. That will definitely be something we will have to talk about. And I'm sure all of college football will be talking about. But you're right. I mean. This situation, coaching, being a new coach in the SEC is is hard enough. So yes. this is just a very like tough thing to have to come into. But it's brutal. Um, SEC quarterbacks, specifically Alabama quarterbacks, have been making headlines because three of the last couple yep. Alabama quarterbacks, Mac, Tua, and Jalen, all are are all QB ones for NFL teams now. Um, we used to talk often in college football, I say we, I mean collective media, about the fact that Alabama quarterbacks were game managers, and again, that's not really a knock. It was more just like you didn't need like an elite quarterback to win national championships or do these things. But I think the um, official death of the game manager Alabama quarterback is is upon us, and this is it, because these three obviously have proven that, and then... Now we've got Bryce Young, who is ready to step up and, and yep. be the guy. Um, are, do you think that he's going to be able to fill the shoes of those three, essentially, but specifically Mac? You know, it's funny in, in thinking about this, right? You, Lane Kiffin changed this. Like that Greg McElroy and A.J. McCarron, Jacob Coker, or Jake Coker, I think he changed <laughs> his first name. I don't remember. I talked to Jake. Nice guy. Um, they were they were certifiable game managers. Like yeah. Nick Saban wanted them to just hand the ball off, and you know Derrick Henry was going to run it forty times down your throat, and good luck. And then Lane pushed Nick, and we will get Lane on here at some point, by the way, and that'll be great. And <laughs> then you handed the ball, you handed the ball literally. That's that's corny, but you gave it to Steve Sarkeesian, and he took it to another level. Quite honestly. Mm-hmm. And granted, having the wide receivers they've had in the last four years, we talk about these quarterbacks, that wide receiver group uh, that they had at Alabama, I think pretty much is better than any of the wide receiver groups that any of these wideouts are actually on. I think what's cool about this, though, when you look at the three and even sizing up the picture of the three of them together, they're very different players, very different players. They've got very unique personalities and they, they did it all with their own style and success. And I think that part is really cool. And by the way, Bryce Young is going to be a much different version of this, too. He is not um, he is small. Two is not a big guy, but two is six, one, six, two. Bryce Young is is maybe six feet. I don't know what he's listing at, but he is he is tiny. And I think he's going to be a little bit more of a chaotic player, not in a bad way, but Mac Jones was a guy that stood back there and just picked people apart and would do one read. But when your one read is Devontae Smith or Jalen Waddle, like what the hell else do you have to do? I think it's going to be a little bit different for Bryce. Now we've done a story on Bryce. We've talked to Bryce's dad before um, heading into last year. Remember that? I was thinking about this heading into the pod. Like we were talking like, is Bryce Young going to conquer this starting job? Like, well, no. (laughs) Mac nope. Jones did, and he's Hang awesome, and he's been amazing, it looks like, in the preseason. Like, good for him. He's a starter. So I think it's amazing to see all three of these guys get their cracks, and I'm really excited about Bryce Young, talking to the people that were close to him, 
You know, he he definitely looked raw last year, but of course he did. Yeah. Uh, I think it's a tough. I think it's tall, uh, just a tall task. But my biggest thing, Paige, too, is you know beyond that, like Sark is gone, and you have Bill O'Brien who's trying to redefine himself. That. That alone, I think, is a big, big ask for both of these two to come together and say, "Okay, this Alabama offense has been so good. What the hell are we going to do now? Like, how do we take it up another notch? Yeah, no. And I I appreciate that Coach Saban has um, adopted the like adapt or die situation and, and really made the most of it, despite him, you know, mastering you know, one way of doing things for so long, um, and sort of doing things that way. But I mean, one, I'm very happy for Mac. Like, I just have to say that I think out of all of them, the draft situation for him was a very weird situation with a lot of different rumors going around and a lot of people throwing a lot of shade his way. So I hope that, and I also, he fell into the perfect position. I mean, it was like destined, just like you and I doing this pod, it was destined for him to be with the Patriots. So I am very, very happy for him on that front. But I, I do think this is going to be a very interesting year for Alabama because we are – look, I'm not saying I'm betting against them because I would never, and we'll get to that later. But I do think that it is going to be a lot of adjustments all at one time, and I know we're used to it, and I know everyone listening to this goes, they do this every year, blah, blah, blah. But I, like you said, I think it's a lot of things offensively that may – not that they don't have the talent, just may need some time to be perfected. Not saying it can't get there, but it could. It's just it. And I've said this like when Alabama wins the national title this year, Alabama fans are going to be up in my shit <laughs> and, and telling me how wrong I am, despite the fact that I've probably wrote and spent more time in Alabama and wrote more features about this program <laughs> than any in the last like five years. But I think it's more of a respect to the players that they've had. Mm-hmm. Like when you think about and this is this is tough. You, you've got a Heisman winning wide receiver. You've got a top 10 wide receiver. You have an all time running back in Najee Harris, who was spectacular for them. They had the best O line. In football last year, they lost those pieces. You lost a shutdown corner. You lost a first-round quarterback. You lost a lot. I mean, you lost a lot. And you lost your offensive coordinator who really transformed all of this thing. So it, it, it it's Alabama, so it's almost hot takey to say, like, hey, they may not be as good. Yeah. And then and, and they're the, the betting favorite in this by a significant margin. They've earned all of this. But I think it's reasonable, despite the fact that I think Bryce Young's going to be awesome I think it's going to take some time. I think it's I think it's going to take a little time for them to mesh. And I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. Like, that's just the way it is. It's just Alabama makes superhuman performances just feel normal. And, yeah. and maybe they'll do it again. This is Nick Saban, after all. Yeah, I, I never like I said, there are two rules I have in betting. It's never bet against Bama, which I'm going to do later, sadly, and never bet wow, against yes. Tom Brady. So those are my two betting rules. It's the never bet against Tom. I and love that your first rule, you you just completely break, break it. it. Yeah, it we're great. Gonna, that's, that's really what's about to happen. But there is a lot of um, new for Alabama. But in college football in general, there are a lot of new head coaches. I shouldn't yes. say new head coaches. I should say head coaches in new places because there are a decent amount of familiar faces. But in terms of guys that are in year one with a new program, who do you think sort of is set up for success? And who do you think is really going to need to be careful with this year and make sure they make the most of it and could potentially be on the hot seat, really? So it's hard. It's really these jobs. We talked about South Carolina and Mm. you look at Tennessee with Josh Heupel and you look at Clark Lee and Vandy. These guys are, I don't want to say set up to fail, but their environments are so much harder because around them, there are established coaches, there are more resources. 
Like, they're, they're really difficult situations. Brian Harson's an interesting one at Auburn, too. And he has not had, by the way, the cleanest start to this whole thing. No. With COVID <laughs> and everything else. And that's being polite. Yeah. I, I really, I, we wrote about this. I think Steve Sarkeesian, that guy has, has been quite literally to hell and back. Hell of his own creation, which he would be the first one to admit, or issues that he has had to deal with. I think he's going to really maximize this next opportunity at Texas. I am just, if you listen to this guy talk football, it is like Picasso, the way he sees it. And I think, A, the Big 12, well, shit, they're going to be in the SEC. That's right. But he's got some years Eventually. potentially to, to, get, to get a little, you know, rack up some wins. I just think the schedule is conducive to win more games. They have to find a way to get over that hump. But I like a lot of their players, B. John Robinson. I, I just think he enters a foundation like, you know, Tom Herman was not perfect, but, you know, the cupboards are full there. Like they've, they've done a pretty good job recruiting. Yeah. I just think when you look at who enters what, that seems like the cleanest spot for me. I'm not sure how you feel. That said, though, it's probably the most pressure too. Yeah. right? Anything, anything underperforming and he's going to hear it like immediately. Yeah. I think for Sark, the big thing, too, is that we're going to know early how good this Texas team is because they don't play slouches even in their first two games. I know people are thinking, Arkansas, what are you talking about? But, I mean, they've got a good thing going in Arkansas. So I would not look past that. I would make sure that they're paying attention to that game and not looking forward on the schedule because that could be a tough one, and they obviously play a ranked opponent for the first week. So I think we're going to know early how that goes. I think there is the most pressure on him to do well. I will say Harson at um, Auburn is very interesting because we've seen Auburn be more patient, I would say, than most SEC schools that are like considered one of the top 25 programs in the country. I think in terms of coaching in with Gus, they were patient yeah. because they had iron bull wins and significant bull wins and things like yes. that. And it wasn't necessarily the caliber that they wanted to be at, but they were very much more patient with firing him than most programs are. So I am kind of curious to see how patient they are for Harson now, because I feel like, especially coming from the West, I, this might just be like a, uh, and I can say this because I'm from the West Coast and have seen how um, SEC fans take this. It's sort of tough being a West Coast dude and coming from the West Coast yes. into the SEC. You sort of like obviously anticipate that this is going to be, you know, exciting and like people take it seriously, but I don't think they know like exactly how difficult of, I'm just going to use difficult as the word. No, it's it, not well, a bad thing. It's just a very different thing. And like the SEC logo being, it means more like it really does. Like, I'm not trying to say that just no, because it, to pump up the SEC, but it really does mean more there. He is Gus delivered like a nine or 10 win season when he needed it. And he would mm-hmm. beat Alabama every once in a while. Yep. It's got that Kirk Ferentz thing going. Every time Kirk Ferentz would, would be like ready to lose his job. It's like, Oh God, they just almost made the playoff. So he, yeah. he found a rhythm to, to do it. But Auburn is such a bizarre one because they are a, a resource rich team in a, in an area that should recruit well. And they have recruited well. And I think it just is so, so jaded right now because your rival is, just doing everything spectacularly. Like Nick Saban has made that job, like the lens on Auburn, so different because yeah. Alabama is so dominant. And so by nature, we're just going to compare everything to Alabama, which is completely unfair, by the way, for Gus <laughs> or Harson or whoever. Like that is ridiculous. And Auburn, I think they'll be competitive. 
Um, what's most striking is like offensively, it has not been the same group, and it's. I'm interested just to see kind of how this thing whole this whole thing gels together. I thought it was a good hire. I didn't. I didn't hate the hire. I just think yeah, culturally and football wise. They don't care where you come from as long as you win and you care about football. And clearly he yeah. does both of those things. But, yeah, it, it this sport and the way we cover it and the way it's consumed, certainly in that conference, is different. And so anything less, you know, that Penn State game stands yeah. out. I cannot wait for that. That is not a fun – if you're – and, and Texas, too. If you're Sark and you see, like, Louisiana Lafayette the schedule this year, you're like, God damn it. And, and I'd be <laughs> thinking the same thing about going to Penn State. Like, no – I do not. Who did this? I want no part of this. So I think I think it was it's a scheduled tall order. thirty years ago. Don't worry. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, no yeah. The kids were not even born then. It seemed like a good idea at the time, but yes, that is. It's going to be a tall order for all of them. A lot yeah. of new SEC head coaches, obviously, and there's good reason for that because the expectations are goofy. Yeah, and also he, I think he's solidified himself as a football guy um, with the whole taking the elevators are only for injured oh, players and to take the stairs. Um, so, I mean, he clearly – there wasn't a knock on him to say that he's, uh, like, you know, coach in the West Coast and all that. It was just more – the stakes are a little bit higher. Um, and yes. a perfect example of it meaning more in the SEC is when you give a coach that you are already paying – a lot of money. And when he signed his deal, I'm referring to Jimbo Fisher here. Um, when he signed oh, they his, know. They know. They, you don't even is, need to yes. say the name. Yes. Yes. When he signed his deal, all of us were like, what? Like, that's really, okay. Like, sure. Nothing's happened yet. Um, I'm just curious, like, what happens. So they gave him an extension. He is now the second highest paid head coach annually behind Nick Saban. I think he makes like 300000 less a year than Nick Saban. Um, what happens when they like make the playoff or like win? I think they are probably going to build him like a castle that's like made of gold with like a moat or something, because I don't know what else you can give this guy because they have given him so much money and they haven't really won anything yet. So I was thinking about this. You remember a couple of years ago, I pitched you a story. Hey, yes. A&M is the future of college football. Yes. I want to go down there. We had done, we were going to head down there. Actually, I think it was a storm, like a tropical storm or hurricane. Like we had to, we had to, go, we were going to go a couple weeks later. So I had yes. to change the trip. And then they lost. And it was like, oh shit, we can't really do that story anymore. And then go back week one of last year. They play Vandy and they look terrible. It was an ugly, ugly game that they could have lost to a team that was really bad. And the, the $75 million contract jokes are flying. We're talking, like, what is wrong with Jimbo? And then, boom, like, they turn it on. You lose yeah. Alabama. You win a lot of really close, ugly games. Kellen Mond was good, but not spectacular. And here's a new infusion of cash. Now, here's my thing with coaches, Paige. This is not my money. It's not your money. <laughs> this is donor money. And this is money from a school that is just stuffed the pocket. I mean, there's just money coming out of like every drawer, right? It's it, there is money all over the place, and I am always whether it's a coach or player, get money philosophy. Good for you. I just find the timing of this one particularly interesting, yes. and I, and I don't care. And I think he's a really good coach, by the way. And I think he's yeah. actually a great fit there. And I really like them this year. I have them uh, at thirty-five to one to win the national championship. I think they're I think they're good. I like that game against Alabama is about as excited as I am for a, a conference game this year. I still find it kind of funny that A&M, 
almost like to be look how much damn money we have is just like yeah. who gives a shit contract extension raise hilarious and yes if he actually does win a national title here comes 12 million a year like yeah. that's what it's gonna look like i mean yeah i remember you pitching me that story and you being like Paige, there's so much money at Texas A&M when it comes to football. Like they can't Texas fail. in general, but they literally have so much money. And I wonder, part of me was like, okay, thinking about the timing of it, I know last year there was a lot of discussion about Texas A&M potentially being in if it was expanded and things like that. Um, and I made Texas A&M fans very, very upset because I said that an undefeated USC team should get in over them, um, which obviously was like egg on my face. Thanks, Pac-12 in general for always doing that and making me look bad. But I think one of the things that I was thinking about was like, okay, was this like an incentive of like, hey, we saw that you got us here. Now here's a little extra. Yeah. Get us to the next step. Like this adds a little bit more pressure or do you think it's just like part of the gig and it's just one of those things? It's, I just don't know where he would go. Like that's the part, like who are you? Yeah, they are a perfect who, match, by the way, in terms they, they of really personality are. and location and Fit, that is just a perfect marriage. You you usually don't do this unless a coach is like flirting like with another program, and the timing is kind of interesting. So I, I he's got it going, recruiting everything. Like it, mm. this is going very well, and it's a financially good thing and a football good thing. And again, I, I think they're going to be really good. I, I I think they're still probably a year or two away. It's funny thinking about the story we did. It was like yeah, they're I was off by like a year and a half. Um, but I, I think they're going to be, I think they're going to be great. So part of me is like, Hey, the business of college football is booming. And if you're a school that can afford this and goodness, A&M can afford this, especially with the crowds back and everything else. Yeah. Who cares? But his contract in particular has been this popular storyline. Like no matter what, it, it's been this 75 million fully guaranteed. It was like this completely unorthodox, unusual deal. So anytime he's going to get more money on a deal that was already historic, quite honestly, at the time, it's going to be a story. It, it is going to be a big topic and it, yeah. and it should be that said, like, I like him a lot and I think they're going to do really well. And I, and it's not just this year, but, but moving forward, I think they're set up to, to actually take a couple of cracks at national titles here, even with Alabama doing what it's doing. Yeah, I'm not per as high as you are on them, and I am always very skeptical of them. And I, like I said, I've made their fans angry in the past. I think this year will piss them off and Georgia fans off the most, if I had to guess, um, which is not really yes. hard to do. Um, but I, if I were those donors and like people that are backing all of this, basically – I would figure out a way to get this money to the players so that, like, we're saying, like, our guys oh, are making coming. ton to, like, yeah, exactly, are making a ton of money as well. Not only our coach are we paying him, but, like, the guys here are making decent amounts of money. Like, you're saying, like, the, the kid who, um, I'm blanking on his name, um, the one that went to Ohio State from. Quinn, Quinn, uh, yes, yeah. Yes. Quinn, yeah, $1.4 million Dollars, marketing deal. Yes, you're he seeing. He should be taking uh, senior high school classes right yeah, now. God yeah, bless you, yeah, you're seeing um, Bryce Young make close to six figures, seven figures, all of this stuff. It's just, like, insane um, to to see all of this stuff. So you would think that they would use this on a recruiting um, standpoint. Oh, but eventually, it'll get there. There's, it's the first step of it. There are more drawers full of... I'm opening my drawer. I don't know if you can hear it. There are more, there are more coffers full of money to be had and ways to exploit NIL and... I'm sorry, exploit's a little strong, but yeah. that's what it is, right? To use it to take your adv advantage. Take advantage, take okay, full sure, advantage. <laughs> of, of what's going on. And they will, they will absolutely find those ways to do that. All right. Well, since this is a college football podcast, and the most controversial thing that happens during the year is the college football playoff 
and those selections. Um, I figured we would do a preseason playoff picks and national champion picks. Yeah, I'm in. I had to make sure I looked at my phone because I did do these yesterday for BR and Mm -hmm. I'm writing about so much football that I have to make sure that I actually say the same (laughs) I've done that before where you're like a team where yep. you're like on the fringe of flipping out. Like, yep. oh, wait, we you have gave them. two different playoff predictions. That's not good. So what are your who are your four that are in for you? Yes. Yeah. So I, I did some research on this. We're doing these community articles of and I, one of the questions that was really striking in one of the articles a couple of weeks ago was give me a team outside who hasn't made the playoff before that can win the national championship. And I, A&M, I thought, was a really good one. I like USC a little bit more. But as I looked into this, and of course, college football is just going to break a two-by-four over my head and do something weird, I had a really – this is very chalky, right? This is a long-winded way of saying I'm not proud of being as chalky as I am. Yeah. But I have Georgia, uh, uh, Ohio State, Oklahoma, and Clemson. I guess the most notable omission from that is Alabama, right? I think – and I wrote about this, and I like Georgia. They've had injuries, and we'll talk about the games itself. But to me, speaking back to what you, we talked a little bit earlier, I think just Alabama's departures are huge, and they'll be really good, and they're going to win a ton of games. I just think Georgia, finally, in this moment, can better them. So that is my four. How different are—I'm hope i sure you're somewhat different than mine. But again, the chalk looks very strong this year, so maybe not. Yeah, well, I told you that um, one of my number one rules um, is not to bet against Bama. And in this specific case, I did not. So I have Bama, Oklahoma, Clemson, and Ohio State. Very chalk. The chalkiest of chalk. So we're different on uh, uh, Georgia versus Alabama. That's it. Yeah. So I think um, I... I'm pretty confident in Oklahoma, Clemson, and Ohio State. I obviously, Bama is the one that I'm concerned about. I do obviously think um, that Georgia is not going to be, I just can't put my faith in Georgia. Every time that I thought no. maybe they just have not lived up to expectation. And I and like you said, with injury now, like they have it. They have the talent there. They can do it. But I'm just overly concerned they, they, every front. Georgia fan is relates. They have been breaking <laughs> hearts and souls forever. Um, that this is what they do. But I just think they have. It's very close, but they've out recruited everyone mm-hmm. really since Kirby Smart has arrived. That includes Alabama. Depending on where you look, it's probably different, but it's really close. And Alabama out develops everybody. I just look at this roster, and I think the quarterback. And I'm. I'm Look, I'll get into I'll just go right into my championship pick. Georgia is my championship pick. Spoiler alert, and I'll I'll tell you why. Because I think they've always been Jake Fromm was fine, but Jake Fromm, I believe, just got cut uh, in <laughs> the last sad. few days from the NFL. And like the NFL is hard. I think JT Daniels is a legitimate potential star. Mm-hmm. Guy that reclassified, by the way, was amazing in high school. Connections to Bryce Young, of course, in terms of Bryce Young getting to play because JT Daniels um, was able to uh, reclassify and go. Ends up at Georgia, was injured last year, and looked really, really good. Um, it's, it, I just think they have a chance to really finally, once and for all, take over. And I think if they lose against Clemson, I don't think they are. I don't think it matters, Paige. I think by SEC standards, the rest of the road for them is not too bad. Okay. 
So that is basically you saying that you know that Georgia is going to be Alabama this year at some point, and that is... They're going to have to, most likely, and yeah. that's the SEC well, championship game. Yeah, because whether or not they they beat Clemson and still have that one loss, I think it'll be fine for them. I think you're right, but I do think if they lose to Clemson, the rest of the year is going to be very, very nerve-wracking for them because they yes. are going to fall a little bit because in terms of Oklahoma, I don't see losing to anyone. I mean, I understand they're going to be challenged. I don't think they lose to anyone. Clemson, I outside of Georgia, like, again... That schedule sucks. I just, that schedule. Don't, I just don't see them being challenged. And Ohio State, same sort of deal. Like, I understand they have, like, a good Pac-12 team on their... their um, schedule but I just I don't think that they I think Ohio State out of everybody would be like the most challenged in terms of those three um and that's why I actually picked them to be my national champion um I think I like that Ryan Day gets his flowers and this is his year to win as a head coach and I I I'm all in on Ohio State which I honestly if you would have asked me last year I would have laughed at that um idea but I I do think that Ohio State's going to be the national champion this year so if Clemson loses I have them in my playoff but if they lose this opener it's not going to be easy because Mm-mm. there are not a lot of opportunities to make an impression ohio state meanwhile plays oregon uh they get them at home which is great i'm with you i, I think stroud's going to be fantastic the receivers are fantastic the uh, defensive line is going to be amazing the offensive line is huge um i like this pick and i think the gap between them and the rest of the big 10 is widening and it will continue to widen. When you look at the fact that their quarterback depth chart right now, like they have three quarterbacks that would probably start at any other school, largely in the big 10. Yeah. If they were there. And I, and I hate to say this, I hate to say this, but that's also another reason why I picked them because durability and like, yeah, the season and you just never know like they have the best chance even if some things go wrong, they still have the depth there. That was sort of something that I looked at and went, okay, that sort of helps them out as well. Um, I I agree with you that the, the gap between Ohio State and everybody else in the Big Ten is huge, but it's also just so comical to see how many like ranked teams are in the Big Ten as well. Yes. There's like a lot of matchups. So it still looks, on paper, it still looks very good for them because they're still quality wins, even though they're far superior than these guys. That just goes to show you the gap between like the best team in the country and maybe the 10th team in the country. There's still a pretty wide gap, and that's sort of why there the playoff is. has stayed the way it has for a while. All four expansion, don't don't get me wrong, but yes. I do think that that is something that like is interesting. That Ohio State will have like more quality wins, if you will, because of the conference that they're in. But it's not necessarily a quality win if you're actually watching and doing the eye test, really. <laughs> By the way, the three quarterback thing has worked for them before, um, <laughs> right? So, so hopefully it doesn't get down to that. But if it would have to, I would say this is probably they're probably more conducive to do that again, as amazing as Cardell Jones was right now than ever before. So yeah, I, I'm I'm. It is interesting, though, with the playoff, and we're both this, it is conducive to just great teams beating the hell out of schedules that they should beat the hell out of. And the problem with the SEC, and you could make a case for A&M, Georgia, Alabama, you want to go down to LSU, um, I'm sure another team that I'm going to get pissed off because I'm not mentioning, it's it's hard, it's a gauntlet there. So it'll be very interesting to see how that plays out. Well, and I'm sure, um, you know, Iowa State fans and Texas fans are not thrilled to hear that I think that Oklahoma is just going to blow through 
um, the, the conference, but I, I really just think the gap is widening on those those big powerhouses in, in certain conferences, and that's also Absolutely. maybe why we should let the top of other conferences besides the Power 5 ones come in and play in the playoff, and that's my pitch. Uh, okay, are you, are you ready to gamble? Are you ready? <sighs> yes, I'm... Okay, so... Everyone knows that you're a big gambler when it comes to we got your locks. We trust you. I should say you're a decent. If you were able to gamble. Yeah. If you were able to gamble um, and call it a legit like skill, you would be decent at it. Right. Um, I I do not particularly gamble that often, but it is such a big part of the sport now. And I also have like helped other people gamble in the past couple of years and given them picks and won them money and not me any money. So I have decided to jump on the bandwagon and I'm trusting you, but I did decide. So we are going to go through week one um, picks. I am going to pick one each week that I'm going to go against you. And then we're going to keep score and see who actually wins at the end of the season. So, yes. So you are. And look, when I do gambling, there are people on Twitter who are doing this for a living who are watching lines and live betting and have power rankings that are amazingly good at this. To me, it's my eyes. I am a contrarian, and I love to get into some of the contrarian lines, and I have I have a couple this week, I believe. But I like – it's fun. This is how gambling is supposed to be for the average person, and to me, that's what it will be. But it is going to be fun, too, to take you through my thought process because yes. there are going to be picks this year, and there are – when we've done locks of the weeks, uh, locks of the week on Bleach Report, and like I'll do a contrarian pick, and and the comments are hellacious, like you dumb, <laughs> bleep bleep bleep, all of that stuff, which I love to read. So uh, now we've got big games, and now I don't rarely, shouldn't say don't rarely. When we do locks, I like to feature some of the big games, but I don't always have opinions. I will say, Paige, Georgia plus the three. It was at three and a half. The line has moved around quite a bit. I like them on the money line at plus 135. I pick them to win the national championship. I can make halftime adjustments, unlike Scott Frost, um, if, <laughs> if they don't look as good. But right now, if I'm going to pick them to win the national title. I'm going to pick them to cover and beat Clemson. And that's a game I genuinely like. And it's a game also you have to have money on. That's going to be the game of the year. Yeah. I mean, part of me really you wants say- Are you going to bet Clemson? Is that what's going on already? Like right out of the gates, you're just... Part of me really wants to bet Clemson. I don't know. And and I mean, I think that's the one that I'm going to pick against you. I was looking at the rest of them um, that you have here slated. And I have others, some other bad games that I could put on there too. Um, But no, I think I'm going to take Clemson in this game. So you... Okay, you like Clemson. I want to ask you about something. Now, I have... Because this is your team. I went to Iowa... Okay. Most of the time, Illinois State, but I was my team because Illinois State football just we can't rally around that. <laughs> you are Arizona through and through. You've defended their basketball coach at length on Twitter year over year. Your passion pours out of you, and I love that. <laughs> um, but their football team's kind of a dumpster fire, okay? They've That's lost a nice. lot of games in a row, and yet I like them. It was plus 11.5, it's plus 12.5 against BYU. I'm a Jets fan too. Zach Wilson looks amazing. Their offensive line, which is incredible, has been gutted. I know Arizona has stunk. But outside that Arizona State game, which I had Arizona State, it was one of the greatest covers I've ever had. I think they won 70-7. They've been competitive Thanks or semi-competitive. <laughs> yeah, that was bad. Um, 12 and a half versus BYU. 
Am I crazy here? New coach, Jetfish, what am I missing? Because this feels like a good bet to me. I think people are just going with, like, the safe choice and not giving Arizona the benefit of the doubt. I do actually have a decent amount of faith in what Jed has got going. Um, BYU scares me because it's always been kind of an iffy game for me. I always just for some reason don't want to pick them or like them because I know last year everybody wanted them to be higher higher ranked than they were before. Um, but I'm going to go – I would pick Arizona in that game. It's okay. plus 12 and so a half. I would, I would take Arizona in that game. All right. I will and it's give gonna you be, now – I will say, here's the other thing. You're, people are underestimating – okay, the like – I understand BYU probably travels – but the idea of Vegas with Arizona fans, you guys have to understand the Pac-12 tournament is in – the basketball tournament is in yes. uh, Vegas. It is like a home court advantage every year because Arizona fans come out in droves to be there. Th- that stadium is going to be so loud in terms of Arizona fans. I do understand that it's football and it's different, but I think the idea of just like being able to go to Vegas, I was actually supposed to be there, but unfortunately I do have to work, um, so I could not be there. Damn. But there will be a lot, a lot of Arizona fans, so I think that will also factor into it. And I think it'll be exciting, and I do hope for the best um, on that front, but maybe it's just my Arizona heart pulling. But I would take so, the, the 12 and a half. The hope for the best is is just <laughs> Great. The bar has uh, been set so shit low. Football <laughs> encouragement. I hope for the best. Um, I've said that about my teams before. All right. Two unders. I don't. You've read locks for a while. Okay. People that have followed it. And by the way, these picks are largely on Bleach Report. Go check them out if you, if you want to. Or you can just listen here and trash me on Twitter, trash me there, wherever. <laughs> but they're largely uh, they're on Bleach Report. I normally side with betting overs because overs are far more fun and, ch- and you're just watching stale, like stalled drives. It's just no way to watch football. So naturally, I look for games where I think there's going to be points. But I do like two unders, and you can jump in. Alabama versus Miami, under 61 points. LSU at UCLA, under 65 points. I I think with Alabama, we talked about breaking in the pieces, new OC, Derek King coming off an ACL. I think both these two teams are going to kind of ease into that game. The spread in that game is 19 and a half, so maybe you have an opinion on that. And LSU at UCLA, which I am really excited for that spread down to i believe three under 65 i think ucla has actually got a decent defense we saw it against hawaii granted it was hawaii and we also saw the offense yeah they scored 44 points but it was not dorian thompson robinson wasn't great i think that's one of my favorite bets of the week is under 65 so either of those games whether it's the total or spread you feel anything in either of those two games I think you're the safe choice with the UCLA under just because I don't think that offense is as good as everyone thinks it is, if that makes sense. It does. Um, it, I think they, they are still learning. I also, I tweeted this this last weekend. I always just forget that Chip Kelly is still a college football coach. I, it's like, so weird. It's so strange. He's just been like MIA. I mean, it's just funny because he was at, like, honestly, the most, like, forward-facing program um, in the Pac-12. So, very interesting. But, yeah, I would. I think the, the UCLA one is a safe choice. And also, I would absolutely take Alabama minus 19 and a half. I well that that one that's a big number. I think I'm going to stay away. But yes, this is a classic. They did it against USC years ago, right? Where I think it was like twenty and a half to start the year, and they just kind of sat on them for three quarters, and that's what Alabama does. So that'll be an interesting one. All right, two Big Ten games. Wisconsin now minus five and a half against Penn State at the time that we're recording. 
Iowa minus three and a half versus Indiana. I'm an Iowa homer. I like Iowa. I didn't include it in my locks because I'm an Iowa homer. I don't think I did. No, they're not in. Wisconsin-Penn State is a baffling game for me. The quarterbacks have been inconsistent, but both can play. Mertz and Clifford both have ups and downs. I'm just excited for this game. It's a great home field advantage. I was kind of lean Penn State. I like the over in this game. Do you have any vibe for either of these Big Ten games? Because both of them are pretty good. You're going to hate me for this. I am betting against you. don't do Indiana. I'm picking Indiana. I'm taking Indiana. I'm sorry. I've been high on Indiana for a while, so I'm gonna I'm gonna take Indiana minus okay. or plus three and a half, I guess. And then um, Wisconsin and Penn State. That's a honestly it's what a, a tough game. What a great Big Ten game, though. Like I let's know. just if if there was like a tier two um, in behind Ohio State, that's our tier two guys. Um, it is. And I have to lean Penn State more so just because I feel I like too. I, I I know last year um, their quarterback at Wisconsin had COVID and did say that he struggled getting back from that so I don't know if that's just what happened and I think if he's playing at his best then definitely Wisconsin but yeah I'm gonna I would take Penn State in that game uh, I agree it's a, I'm a little sheepish about it but I agree and then the last one I got a few more at, at BR but this is the one I wanted to talk about because I think it's an awesome awesome game to start that not enough people are going to pay attention to unless you're a Texas fan or you want to watch Texas lose Texas versus Louisiana Lafayette the line is down to eight just so people know that number in the offseason was over two touchdowns granted that was many moons ago but that line is down to eight Louisiana was awesome last year won 10 games really really tough beat Iowa State in the opener trying to do it again Paige I like over 58 uh, I, I don't feel great about this line. I think if you're Sark, you got if you get by this game, you're thrilled. I think there's going to be points. Louisiana Lafayette has like a ton of people back. Really good, like quality college football offensive line. I think Sark's impact is going to be felt immediate. The, the reports I've heard uh, for quarterback um, uh, Hudson, Car- the new starting quarterback, have been great for them. Over 58, bring me points in this matchup. Yeah. I think it's going to be a ton of points, so I think hammering the over there is a good call. I am going to pick Texas minus eight. Like I, I believe that Sark is going to have a good start to this season. I think that this will not be a trap game for them. I think the Arkansas one is the one we have to watch out for, um, but I think they're taking this one seriously, and I think Sark uh, gets a, a big stamp of approval in the beginning, and I hope Bijan just goes off absolutely crazy. I know. Let him run. Dude, let him run. Give him touches. It took a whole season, then they did it, and it worked out. Is there any other games on the docket, whether it's gambling or not, it is week one, that you are excited about? Like, it, it, like there's some games on here, like guilty pleasure games, like Duke-Charlotte. I'm kind <laughs> of excited because it's only a six-and-a-half-point spread, and they lost by, like, a bazillion points last year. That's one I was looking at. There's there's a ton of games. Kansas State, Stanford is super interesting because it's kind of unusual. I even think Oregon State versus Purdue, which is like the least exciting football game ever said out loud, could be really fun offense. You got Ole Miss, Louisville. You got what Notre Dame, Florida State. We got football for like thirty-eight straight days, which is amazing. So, is there any other game that you're looking forward to, whether you're betting on it or not? Um, probably won't bet outside the norm. But I just think all of them like I this sounds so weird, but I don't remember us having this good of a week one Agreed. slate 
in a very long time. Like, there are a lot Agreed. of top 25 matchups, and it's throughout the day. Like, normally we get the, like, later games or, like, one in the afternoon. Like, this is just a throughout the day. I think there are going to be games that are just absolute chaos and are going to be closer yes. than usual. And I know, so, like, for those who don't know, like, my job essentially is just to, like, sit around and monitor and, like, a couple times it's, like, to reach out to writers and things like that. But most of the time it's spent watching games and also Twitter. And it's so entertaining to me to watch just the absolute, like, pandemonium when there's a game that literally no one cares about. Um, and people just want to engage with the chaos of it. There's a crazy play. There's whatever. Um, so I'm just mostly looking forward to that aspect of it again. Saturdays are long. They are. For us. They, yes. they are. I've got family in town this week. I've got kids running around. I will be home. I've got the good setup in the basement. So it's going to be chaos, but it's going to be magnificent chaos. I, I missed football a lot. And when you think about COVID last year and no fans in some places, look at the – I forget who posted this on Twitter, but look at what the Labor Day schedule was last year. It was – it was very sad. There was five games, no real notable teams. When you look at where we, what we have, football, damn it, I will never take you for granted again. Yeah. Okay? I will never take you for granted. I am excited. Wherever, like Thursday night, Friday, Saturday, we got literally meaningful games for like five days. And as someone that works for it or covers it, gambles on whatever, I just want to watch it. So I'm... I'm excited, and it feels good to be talking about it. I wish I had more okay. of these beers. So I don't I found, really have any more. I found our game that nobody's going to care about that might actually be a little chaotic, and I'm going to take Michigan State and Northwestern because that just seems like a game that would be so boring to watch just on, like, thinking about those two programs. But that game just, to me, screams, let's have something weird happen. It's, uh, it's a game that should be played, like, in November. It needs yeah. to be like 20 degrees for that game. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be beautiful weather. Uh, it, it's just not, you know, going down the weird train, I'll give you another one. Somebody wrote this this again at BR West, West Virginia, or excuse me, Western Michigan, Michigan is one I at least have because if Harbaugh loses that, like good God, San Jose state, USC. I like yes. USC this year. San Jose state was good. Like was legitimately good last year. I don't know why that game isn't getting a little bit more love. That team was no joke. So I think there's a slew of games that are going to draw our attention. I'm not exactly sure where they are, but there's enough landmines around that I think all of a sudden, like, we're going to be changing TVs, second quarter, third quarter, saying, okay, we have to, uh, um, you know, we're, we're going to have to do this and turn this on for a while. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm, looked at, like, I'm looking now at, like, the full, complete schedule of, like, all FBS games, and it is... It's just a thing of beauty. Even Nevada Cal. That's a late night game. Uh, I, Cal, bet Cal, by the way, minus three. Okay. <laughs> but bonus, still, bonus like, pick. there's some there's some fun stuff going on. There, oh, there, there is. The it's chaos be a great is week. beautiful. It is going to be a great week. Um, that is our show for today. Um, thank it. you guys for bearing with us. This is very new, and we're excited to be doing this with you guys and having new episodes um, every week. We are on social media, no punts allowed, um, on Instagram and Twitter, so follow those. Um, subscribe. Hopefully this is up on Apple Podcasts soon. I know that's the one that takes a little bit of time, but it is on Spotify, so please follow us. Um, once we get on Apple, give us some reviews and tell us what you want to yes. hear. Spam. Um, and, uh, yeah, thanks for, for hanging out, Kramer. This is, this is going to be fun. This has been a blast. Yes, share it. 
subscribe. It helps us. We're trying to get this thing going. We're going to be here for the season and beyond. If you guys have suggestions, uh, hit us up. Let us know what you want to see because we're just kind of leaning into this and we could talk football for hours. So condensing this down is hard. But no, it's been fun. It has been fun, Paige. We will be talking this weekend to figure out what we're writing about. And then obviously in the weeks beyond, let's, let's football.